everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. Thank you for listening to the Penalty Loop Podcast. This is part two of our interview with Armin Agrotrawler, head coach of the U.S. Biathlon team. Have fun! Through the eyes of. So uh, I'm going to ask you a difficult question that you might not be able to answer. And so I, I apologize for that in advance. <laughs> um, and uh, the reason it's, it's difficult because it's, it's, it's a difficult question. But anyway, I'll just get into it. So why do you think that biathlon is not as popular here? Um, you know, it's, it's obviously very popular in Europe. And I think, you know, friends of mine who I've introduced to biathlon find it very exciting. Um, Chad Samala, who does the calls for, you know, for, for NBC, um, he is, he brings a lot of excitement to the sport. Um, so I'm just wondering if you have any insight as to why the sport just isn't more popular in the United States. Um, and, and again, you know, you spend most of your time in Italy, grew up in Italy. So that might be a difficult question for you to answer, but I also thought maybe you'd have a, a, a good perspective being Italian and now working with the, the American team? I can answer pretty clearly on that question. Uh, it's, it's not that difficult. Uh, I have seen it in Italy in the 90s. I've seen it in Switzerland um, 10 years ago. Like in 2014, they didn't have an official women, women team. It's just started in 2014. So basically what I, what I see and what I wish w- should happen in the U.S. is we need coaches education for biathlon, biathlon coaches education. We need uh, facilities, number two. We need domestic races, a lot of domestic races, series to make the, por- the sport visible. Mm-hmm. And those are the three things I would I would build on, um, like the next step. That's I think mm-hmm. that's the next step. Without uh, education, without athletes, without uh, those things I just mentioned, you don't have any chance to yep. to grow the sport. Mm-hmm. Then you just yep. continue to be randomly. Oh, there is an athlete interested in yep. in in biathlon. So we need to create those things, but it's the difficult part. Like I mentioned, Italy, I mentioned, uh, Switzerland, Switzerland is super small country. Mm -hmm. You, 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 you drive through Switzerland in three, four hours, you're, you, you drove through, you drive through and there's a lot of mountains, a lot of little valleys, and there's a lot of clubs and it's very easy to create a domestic series, right? The same Mm -hmm. is with in Italy, the North, the, the whole northern part is like in six hours you go to any any place which has snow and the possibility to cross-country ski or do biathlon. So it's a very small area. The U.S. is super big. I mean, there's, there's a, mm-hmm. so s- such a big, big country. So uh, it's something we have to think of how to do it. Maybe yeah. start a series in the east, start, start a series in the west. And, mm-hmm. but that again needs, we need clubs, 
we need facilities, yep. we need coaches, and then the athletes will come along because then you start a program, and then suddenly you have instead of two athletes, suddenly you have ten, then you have twenty, then you have thirty, and then um, the pressure is there. Well, we need domestic races, and then we just mm -hmm. organize domestic races, and you know, it's a step after step. It's, uh, yeah. I don't see I, that. I, yeah. Go ahead. I kind of feel there's a bit of a <clears throat> chicken and egg uh, story because when I think of the, the success of the cross-country women in the U.S., um, I also think that was related a lot to the success that Kick and Randall and, and uh, Jesse Diggins were having, right? So that I think a lot of people in, in North America, they may watch biathlon, but it's usually either world championship or most likely the Olympics. Um, that seems to be the, the time when people are interested, at least the ones I talk to. Um, and then, of course, if you see the success, like if the, the U.S. women uh, are very successful at those championships, that will get a lot of people more interested to think outside of the Olympics and and be more interested in watching the World Cups, etc. Um, but of course, The, the fundamentals that you were mentioning are needed to get the women to that or the athletes to that level to be actually successful, right? So um, I, I know that uh, Susan and, and Claire have been quite successful uh, at the highest level. Um, where do you, like, do you feel those fundamental elements need to be in place before you can even expect uh, medals in the Olympics? Or do you think that's also kind of possible to do it in the reverse i think um if you see the squad we had the last four years uh from the females perspective the susan started with 22 deidre and joanne started with 25 and claire started mm -hmm. with 26 doing biathlon so what those girls achieved um is is quite big and the same thing is in the in the man's side i mean they're doing they, both both genders doing a great job and they're starting mm -hmm. late uh, like i said before in in europe um an athlete with 22 years isn't considered anymore it's mm -hmm. just out of the roster if you go to norway right. if you go to italy in italy no chance with 22 to start a career not even talk about 25 or 26 so those 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 athletes start with nine, ten, eleven years to 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 you know at least cross country ski and and then start with biathlon at with eleven to fourteen, but that's it. And you have with eighteen, you are under pressure so much because with eighteen, nineteen years, you need to be on a certain level to actually be able to be. Uh, to sign up for a military group, which is very essential for yeah. for athletes in Italy, for instance, or in Switzerland, or in Austria, or in Germany. If you don't have a certain level in that junior category, let's say the junior category is mm -hmm. is where those those NGBs go and look. Oh, that there's a talent. I take that, 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 that. And the 22 years old guys, they don't they don't are considered anymore. No chance for those. Right. What those what those uh, men and um, women achieved in the last past years is is um, in my eyes something I'm 
I very respect, I respect a lot mm -hmm. what they did in just mm -hmm. four years. They reached mm -hmm. work class level in four or five years. They learned all the stuff what others needed 12 years. So that's why mm -hmm. I'm so um, um, how to say that so um, thankful that uh, there's such a great commitment to yeah, I'm gonna do this, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do it right. All I right. try to do it as much as possible with all my commitment. And mm -hmm. what we can change is to have athletes already with, let's say 15 doing biathlon, yeah. 16, mm -hmm. you know, so that they come at 22, so they have already seven years of experience into the sport, right. yeah. you know. We started with some of them, we, they, didn't, they didn't know how to shoot a rifle. Right when others already had World Cup wins at that age. You know, if you yeah. look at yeah. some of the athletes, they're very young, but they know how to handle and how to play the game. We learn it a little right. later, but we're coming. We're, we are doing the same thing just with a little advanced age, mm -hmm. but it's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. When, when I talk to European athletes, coaches said, it's amazing what you guys are doing. Those guys are great. You know, they're, they respect them. They look up to them. And when our athletes look up to the Europeans, wow, look at what they're doing. They look up at you guys. You shouldn't be afraid. Just, you know, you're doing a great job. Yeah. And that's, that's exciting uh, on one side. We just need to, if you want to develop a little bit, we need to change those things and bring them into the sport a little earlier. Just a little earlier. Mm -hmm. yeah couple of years right absolutely yeah because i look at somebody like deja Irwin, and I, I feel like she's been doing biathlon for two years and you mentioned already her amazing performance at the olympic games so you know uh yeah, she, Deidre, she really yeah Deidre, quick Deidre changed i think i think i'm not wrong but it's with she was 25 and now she's 30 years old and in yeah. five years she reached uh, seventh place at the Olympics. I mean, that was a big yeah. achievement. And so, mm -hmm. did, so did Susan with her world championship medal mm -hmm. a couple mm -hmm. of years. Absolutely. So did Claire Egan with a podium at the Mustard and the, at the World Cup after five years into the sport. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's pretty big achievement in my eyes. They don't, I don't know if they really realize what, uh, what they are all doing, men and women, um, yep. but they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job. And I'm very thankful seeing that, you know. Be being exposed to both um, scenarios of starting really early or people joining uh, later in their, in their life, do you think there could be any benefit to starting uh, or learning how to shoot at a later age? because you're a bit more mature and, and maybe better understand it? And, or do you think it's just, you know, you just happen to have some very, very talented and amazing athletes that just were able to pick it up really quick? I think the earlier you learn to shoot, uh, the better it is. It's not just the shooting technique itself. It's just all the mental aspects you're facing in, in, in races, like head-to-head uh, -head shooting, at the last stage in a master or in a pursuit or in relays, you know, when you're shooting point one, point two, point five for a great result, that's what is missing sometimes in, uh, in, uh, in the development. Um, 
just because we are not facing during the season, during the training season, other athletes training on the on the range. That's why we're going to Europe right. also sometimes and doing some summer races and try to face other athletes. Doesn't matter if they do just a, a normal easy training, but you see what they are doing, how they are acting, and how they are actually facing the sport from day to day. And that's where our athletes. Uh, learn a lot and um, but if if you have only let's say four or five six women in the country and and maybe yeah. eight to ten men in the country who who are doing the sport and they are spread out in the country so that means they're training alone somewhere you know right. if you train alone in the woods you of course you think you're the best <laughs> if you if you start to train where like hundred others are there, then you mm -hmm. you know it's like a wake up call every every yeah. morning you go yeah. out there. So that's yeah. where you learn, and that's what what we miss a little bit. But that's not mm -hmm. a fault from the athletes. It's not a fault. It's no, just a, no, 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 not at all. It's just um, we. I consider the U.S. biathlon team in a development phase, and we need to, you know, bring more and more athletes into the system. So that creates also mm -hmm. some, some natural um, pressure, some natural fight. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the yeah. fight, and that's what where you actually yeah. actually grow. If you if you play a tennis player who is worse than you, you will never learn. <laughs> yep, you have yeah. to play the better one. And get the six zero six zero right away. That's where you learn. If yeah. you get a six four six four, you don't learn. But with right. a six zero six zero, that's where you learn. That's where you actually get. Wow, that was like a slap in the face, yeah. right? Yeah. What did yeah. he do better yeah. than I did? You know, she. You know, and yeah, that's what we need to create somehow. So, so um, with that in mind, um, I know you've worked with uh, Lukas Hofer. And mm -hmm. he's now training with the uh, the Swedish team. Do yeah. you see that as an opportunity, like you said, to to expose yourself to to you know other athletes that are really good? And like, do you? I mean, it's hard. On the one hand, I'm assuming as the U.S. national coach, you want to keep your team together. But at the same time, if you know Deidre Irwin would have the opportunity to go training with the Norwegians for a summer, would you encourage that? Do you see the benefits to that, or would you be kind of opposed Maybe. to that? what what we did in past is to bring in um super strong athletes for the female athletes we had kaiser mackerine in two years in a row training mm -hmm. with us in at the summer camp in europe so she was just joining us and she did it the same thing with the swiss team and i asked her if she can continue to do it with with the us team and that was actually very very good so they could see Kaisa, mm -hmm. you know, she was eating with the team. She, she trained with the team. She was on the same, same exact training plan and, you know, just did everything what they did and just mm -hmm. to our plan. And that was, I think that's good. If I take off um, the best athletes on the men's side and I take off the best athletes on the female side, um, could be a great beneficial uh, could be really beneficial for the single athlete, right? But if mm -hmm. I take off uh, my best man athlete and my best female athlete from the team, then the rest doesn't have somebody to look up at. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, that's, if I know <laughs> that, 
yeah. you know, if that outlet, if I know my best outlet does a top 10 and the next one does a top 60, then the top 60 doesn't have mm-hmm. a top 10 guy around, you know, during the training right. season. Yep. So the guy is missing that, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the it's, internal I competition and push. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, those are decisions you have to do individually, very individually, and based on many other other elements. Um, mm-hmm. Depending, there's so much more into such a dis- decision than just saying, "Hey, go there, and then you get better." It, there's course, so yeah. much, so much yeah. other stuff to to consider to do that decision. And I I know for sure I met Lucas Hofer the other day and ask him how it's going and stuff. And um, it was for sure a difficult decision. And I followed that decision a little bit because uh, I know them, know the coaches well, I know the high performance director well. And it wasn't easy to let him go for sure because they have mm-hmm. some young athletes coming up and uh, he's kind mm-hmm. of uh, the hero in the team. And Windisch stopped and they don't have yeah. really... A leader anymore so they working with younger athletes right now so uh, which is not a disadvantage probably but um, you always know better afterwards <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's true yeah. Yeah. yeah well and i i i suppose with and i i have no idea what his plans are but um the benefit with being closer in europe is that um Lucas has at least the opportunity to also bring back some of his newly gained knowledge to the Italian team or mm-hmm. share that with the uh, the younger athletes. But yeah, sure. He is he his plan actually is he's training with the Swedes, but he's training also with the Italians. So partly is right. in the yeah. training camps with the Italians, and the Swedes are coming actually to Antols. We'll train in Antols for a couple of weeks, and the first part nice. he will be with the Italian team, and then when the Swedes come he will join the Swiss, Swedish team. So they're, they're pretty close and he's still switching back and forth between the two systems. But, right. So they get, to, they get to see him anyway. Yeah. Which yeah, I think nice. is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the topic of switching teams, we had uh, previous discussions with other people um, about this topic. How would you feel, because um, we talked to Ukalek Sletemark, for example, mm-hmm. where if there is a, um, a relay race coming up that she's kind of missing out, how would you feel about smaller nations like Greenland, Denmark, um, and, and other smaller nations to be allowed to join up for a team on a relay? Ooh, that's As of now, I don't see any possibilities for for athletes to actually race in such um, under what under what flag would they race you know that's right that's yeah. the difficult part that's an IBU question I think yeah. Question. Yeah. <laughs> an IBU question I mean that's difficult we had like if we really think it through at the Olympic Games we had Russians like racing under not an official flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So they opened up a door. So maybe that's yeah. a question for IBU. Hey, you opened up the door mm-hmm. for them, but what about 
Greenland and other nations, Denmark yep. or New Zealand or Australia. Never know. Yeah. South America. Yeah, and I remember there was uh, one World Cup where there was both a, a relay and a single mixed relay, and and you could just tell that some of the smaller nations that had enough for a full relay mm-hmm. then had the problem of well, who's going to do the single relay, etc. So, just made me think, even you know, even on the World Cup, if a team could mix different nations and maybe not compete officially for the final result, maybe maybe that would be kind of scrap. But at least for the experience of those uh, athletes, I think it would could be very beneficial yeah so um one of the other things that we've talked to a few athletes about recently was the change in the uh point allotment for different uh for races um for you know for first place second place third place um and then the elimination of the i guess the elimination of the eliminated scores and um we, we had asked them if that changed their uh, outlook on the season or how they plan the season and i'm just wondering from a coach's perspective do those changes make any difference at all for how you set up your season at all no no the setup would be the same i think um just because if if it works out like i have like i think it will work out like there is a lot of points um for the winner and there's a big gap for the second for the third Mm -hmm. for the fourth so i think there's still place to have or skip a race i think and still win the overall um Mm -hmm. it's gonna be interesting um let's do this season and see how it works i think we should Mm -hmm. give it we should Mm -hmm. give it a chance and there's many other sports they're doing this uh, where they have those big gaps between one, two, three, and and the following um, um, places. Um, mm-hmm. So let's let's give it a let's give it a shot. I think and see what it does. Um, I always was in favor to cancel a race, actually. Uh, but mm-hmm. this, this time, I think. Um, that's a little a new proposal. I think we should give it, give that proposal a new chance now and and see what it does and how mm-hmm. it affects actually the whole season. We'll know soon. We will learn why we are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a nice bridge to uh, to another topic because data nerds like myself are obviously <laughs> looking forward to uh, compare the season end results with with the new scoring system and the old one but uh i i had a couple of questions about analytics um do you use data at all for performance analysis um on a on a team level as well as an individual level we we look at the um, the analysis the international federation uh, ibu gives out our cv data gives out after every race and compare them among our, our athletes uh, internally. We do that. Uh, in future, we will have some other other stuff we are working on right now. Um, just get new devices where we can measure what output um, uh, this device will recognize also. Ski technique. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, it works similar like Strava, just a little more detailed. So you can do right. point to point, point to point segments and 
see what technique in this segment was keyed, if it was a V1 mm-hmm. technique or a V2, and which technique actually is more beneficial and stuff like that. That's what right, we are looking right. into for the upcoming future right now. Um, yeah. Those those things. Okay. And do you combine the data of multiple races for seasonal trends, is that kind of thing? or That's difficult that, sometimes it- because... Um, I mean, if you can com- just a simple thing, shooting, shooting times, sometimes from one place to the other, if you shoot in Oberhof and you have like windy, foggy situations, you might end mm-hmm. up with 50 seconds or 40 seconds uh, per stage. Right. Whereas if you go to Rupolin, where there's, the range is a little bit easier, not really windy, usually you can shoot in 25, 27 seconds each stage, right? So it's right. difficult to compare uh from stage to stage you need actually exactly to know what it was like was it windy was there um did the athlete eject a shot just because mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. when the shooting time was uh higher there's so many other other details who affect an, an uh, analysis and you need to know the, mm-hmm, all those mm-hmm. little things on the side but right. yes it's possible to do yeah, I think one one approach I've taken with uh, on my on my website is just uh, comparing shooting times relative to the rest of the field, so that mm-hmm. you know if you're at say five percent above average, assuming I mean you're still right. The conditions change even during a race, so nobody has this exact same conditions. But at least, like you say in Oberhof, if it's a really tough race with windy and snowy conditions, then at least that applies to the majority of the athletes in a similar fashion but um but yeah it's playing a lot with or working a lot with the data it's it's really uh that that's the the tough part yeah. is to to no, you know you can't I'm, just say one shooting is the same as others i'm happy that you're doing the data stuff so you can you can send me along the things you're you're finding out <laughs> oh for sure <laughs> he certainly will don't worry yeah <laughs> the one thing the, the yeah please do the one thing um, uh, talking about this, uh, if you see that, let's say one one athlete over the years got better in the shooting times and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if you are twenty five and you start shooting, you don't have shooting times like Virer mm-hmm. at twenty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not possible. Vera, mm-hmm. by 25, she was 16 years into the sport. And Irvin just started, <laughs> right? Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of shooting done, experience done by one athlete versus the other athlete. And right. our many athletes of, of our team, after five, six years, very often have an experience of uh, junior athletes in Europe. So the level, mm-hmm. the level, the experience level, the development level can be very different. But so it's very, very hard to say, okay, um, yeah, the American team is shooting like 5% above the other teams. Mm-hmm. But you don't see, okay, this athlete just started shooting maybe the one or two athletes are just on the world cup they they happen to be on the ideal cup for two races then they come to the world cup 
and then you mm-hmm. you fall into those statistics right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't have all the other experience for over years what others have done to actually reach that level right yeah so um, you know i don't know if i i'm able to transfer that message how i sometimes no see. totally oh no we got it yeah it definitely made sense so that's and that's, and and in my head while you were talking i'm thinking on the one hand it it in a way it feels like it could be irrelevant because you still need to whether you have one year experience or 20 years experience you're still competing in the same race so in that sense it doesn't really matter you still need to perform but at the same time yeah it would be would be an interesting uh, thing to look at to compare like shooting percentages with the mm-hmm. uh, the experience that athletes have uh, on yes, in, in competitions. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we have those. We have those internally for us. We have those, and we know what we have to reach, what percentage mm-hmm. we need to reach, what shooting times we need to reach. I mean, that's pretty clear. Pretty clear numbers. Mm-hmm. It's not not a big secret, right? And is that, uh, so when you say we have that, do you have a person who's, well, at least one of his or her tasks is to, to do some analytics for the team, or is that more, do you do that or the athletes or, um, we do it, uh, internally. We had, we had, uh, different setups with that. We are not, um, at the best probably yet um, because there's not so much budget for just hiring a person to Mm -hmm. do all that stuff because that takes a lot of time a lot of Mm -hmm. time uh, to do those things Um, so we're trying to do the most important things right but i mean i can say from all the things i am seeing over the years i mean you have to shoot around 25 seconds. You have to shoot clean. And in a sprint, 50 seconds, and you're probably top 10 ranked in, in right. a shooting time. And you have a great chance to do a top 20 result if your skiing time is under a minute. Right. And the best. Then you're top 20. Yeah. It's pretty easy uh, in the end, uh, mm-hmm. those, those races. So, And the athletes know. They know they need to shoot clean they know they need to shoot in a certain amount of time because it's so close field is so close especially when it's fair fast good conditions Mm -hmm. so it's we on the other side we cannot skip the steps of um, development right right we need to have we need to know what i'm sometimes saying to to some of the athletes is once you learn how to play the game you're gonna be good you mm-hmm. need to know the rules you need to know the game if you know the game right. in and out in all his details and elements and factors what can affect your performance or whatever and how to react and how to you know plan ahead and um, be creative once you know that mm-hmm. exactly then you don't think anymore then you just perform that's where you have to reach that's the the ultimate goal to have and that's in every sport right. if you look at the sports you guys know very well those guys just do it in the end it's very mm-hmm. easy for, to say that but till they reach that level they have been through a yeah. lot of a lot of uh, practice a lot of emotions a lot of um, you know um, bad results stuff like that a lot of yeah. high, 
ups and downs. That's where you where you learn those things. Right, right. Um, Armin, uh, with respect to your time, where are you at with uh, when? How much time you have left? Um, we can do another ten minutes. I don't know. Um, then I think so I've got I've got one more big question for you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, I I understand that your daughter is now racing as a as a biathlete, and and how is that? You know, putting on your your dad hat versus putting on your coach hat. You know, when when talking to her about about racing, the fun thing with her is like uh, we have a really really good relationship. Uh, the fun thing sometimes she asks me asks me stuff. It's which is very rarely I try to not affect her um, personal development. But she recently said to me, "Well, it's strange, but if we talk about the sport." It's not talking to my dad. It's talking to a coach. That's <laughs> where she mentioned that actually. And I try yeah. to not be a dad when I'm talking to her, you know, when she, she has a serious question about the sport. And I'm just trying mm-hmm. to be very honest, open, and this and this and this is what I think. And mm-hmm. she mentioned that earlier and she was very grateful and saying, that's great that you're not playing the dad or being the dad you're trying to yeah. and she doesn't she doesn't feel that at all um, because she mentioned it because she saw some other situations on the circuit and uh, uh-huh. their dads they're like or parents they're like really possessive and on them and i just let her go and yeah she needs to uh-huh. do her job and she has a question she knows she can come and, and ask but other than that i just wish her good luck before a race and that's it i don't i don't ask her if, she has, <laughs> if the zero was good if that was good of or stuff like that you know yeah hey good luck <laughs> and yeah. if she has a question it's but, on uh, it's it's on her to come up i don't want to right bother her she has to learn the game not me yeah yeah <laughs> and it, would it f- make you feel kind of awkward in relationship to to her actual coaches if you if you would step in a little bit as well or is it just more on a i personal level that she just needs to grow and can you repeat again is it no so so i don't know like if if you would talk to her as a coach like something like how did your zeroing go or or you should lift your elbow a little bit or something like that would you also feel that you would be stepping in front of her own Italian team coach. Oh no, or I wouldn't is that, that relationship close enough. Yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. Um I respect no. my colleagues from from the Italian team and um I know they're doing a great job, great coaches. Mm-hmm. And I know that my daughter is 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 mature enough to, you know, get the info where she needs to get the info. And sometimes it's right sometimes she just comes up to me and asks hey what do you think and then the decision is on her to do you know to choose that's right. i often say hey that's not because i'm saying it it's just you ask me my opinion and i tell you my opinion mm-hmm. you have yeah. to deal with it you have to judge <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah yeah oh good for you i i, I have a lot of respect for that because as a as a parent it it can be very tempting to get too involved i think sometimes so no so, i don't want to 
I don't want to. Um, she yeah. should get all the all the glory, not the bad. <laughs> well, yeah. as I and speaking of, it looks like she had a she had a, a pretty good year last year and a, a great uh, experience at the the junior world championship. So hopefully, she's able to to do that again this coming season. Yeah, yeah, they had a really good championships and the whole Italian team was very strong in Soldier mm-hmm. Hall. And she was very happy when she came home and enjoyed enjoyed those games, uh, those championships in mm-hmm. the US. And she came also home with a lot of other things. She liked the US and then uh, was very happy <laughs> to have the chance to race actually there. So right. And yeah, there you see, I mean, um, there's a couple of nations who who have um, early development for athletes. And those those are the, the nations who actually succeed in the junior worlds. Mm-hmm. But um, for us, we have to find our way and we're trying to find our way. And we're going to be successful just a little bit later. Martin Furcat didn't have <laughs> a junior world champion, junior world championship medal individually. Right, and he was the yeah, most successful. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. I'm, I'm gonna steal that and repeat that. <laughs> yeah, didn't have junior yeah. maybe with the relay, but not an individual one. Yeah. No, and I also wanted to say, uh, you know, as a Canadian uh, fan of the sport, I really appreciate someone like yourself coming from Europe to uh, coming to the U.S. and and you know engage in this adventure to to. Uh, to hopefully bring biathlon in North America um, to a higher level and uh, and and to a more um, a bigger sport from a fence a fence perspective. So, uh, on a personal note, I I thank you for that because it's people like you who I think can make a lot of a big difference. Thank you so much for for that. For that. Yeah, we talk about growing the sport, and and you're actually doing it. So, <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you, guys. No, I'm. Uh, um, it's an honor for me to 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 coach the U.S. team and trying to be hopefully a small part of um, a great success from a couple of athletes in the future. Uh-huh. It's not just yeah, be awesome. the head coach. It's it's a whole lot other yeah. people behind the scenes who doesn't who don't even get mentioned uh, right. mm-hmm. who had very often like key session with those athletes when they were at home and, and, you know, where they actually experienced something which clicked for them in just one single workout. And, and I want to thank you or thank all those persons who, mm-hmm. who play the same game who play the same in the same direction who pull in the same direction and and that's that's the only thing where or how we can be actually successful if we pull all together in the in the right direction as a team right. as as a coaches team as a as a you know the people behind those athletes then then we then we will be successful right. there's one one uh, going in the wrong direction or just putting uh, a stick into the wheel, like we say in Italy, yeah. right. then uh, it's going to be difficult. Right. So thank you, to, thank you to all those persons. And they know who I, who I think of right now. 
Um, before we let you go to your uh, to your barbecue, is there anything else you wanted to mention? Uh, you, for example, you mentioned you have a wax company. This is your time to uh, to advertise for that company if you want to, or reach out to anybody else. This is your opportunity to do so. No, I don't want to advertise anything. I just uh, want to um, advertise actually the sport, the sport of biathlon. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage coaches to to push that beautiful sport. I want to encourage donators uh, to, you know, uh, support us also in future. They're doing a great job and supporting us already, but um, continue to believe in that in that great sport and like i said earlier we need to uh, create facility domestic races we need colleges to put biathlon in their program to have scholarships for athletes and i just want to advertise those things and make sure that the biathlon has a possibility to grow and that we bring home a lot of success in the next 10 years Excellent. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. I think this has been awesome. Um, I'm going to speak for RJ here, but I would love to have the opportunity to be able to do this again sometime down the road. Um, yeah, I just had a great time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I really appreciate your time and uh, your me insights. Very, so, uh, very good questions. And I, I hope I could answer them uh, good, uh, yeah. good enough. And um I'm happy to uh, talk I actually to think you. we need another hour. Another yeah. hour. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can have that. Okay. Yeah, like you guys Terrific. said, down the road, let's see how we develop and we can talk again. And uh, that sounds that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, no, and Jason. if you ever uh, have a little camp in uh, in Canmore, please let me know because then uh, maybe we can uh, arrange something there. So yeah, that'd be send, fun to uh, to do it face to face. So send me those on analytics. What's that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I will uh, send you an email for sure. I'll, I'll send you some information. Yeah, you got a new job, RJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so there's much. A, there's and a, uh, there's, there's a nice homepage called Real Biathlon. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. You could do something like that for 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 the North American biathlon community. Why not? Yeah, there's actually a number of blog posts on there that are that oh, okay. are mine. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some information. And uh, I have been I've been doing a little bit of work for Team Canada, and I've worked with uh, Matthias Arons uh, yeah. and his team, uh, and and doing some work for the uh, Junior and Youth World Championships. So uh, I'm happy to share whatever I have and uh, and what I if I if there's anything I can do to help your team out, I'd be happy to do that. So we uh, we can definitely chat let's, or email about that let's continue to talk about it sounds good all right, yeah. all right. thanks a lot enjoy your barbecue yeah we'll let you go thank thanks. you so much thank you guys it was an honor and uh advertise by Adlon. <laughs> we will we'll do our we best for sure yeah <laughs> okay ciao. thanks a lot ciao ciao bye grazie bye, bye.